0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
2: I'm Steve Letart, STP Auto Expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner Plus Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline.
1: There's no faint of heart. There's no playing it safe.
2: There's no hugging trees. No hugging it out. There's no asking permission. And there's no apologies.
1: There's guts. There's glory.
2: There's NASCAR. All season long on NBC and NBCSN.
0: Welcome to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. We are here at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, where I am taping a special Southern 500 edition, and the guest today is Mark Martin, whose paint scheme was unveiled with Clint Boyer today, and that was...
1: Eighty nine, yeah, I think we ran it in in 90s. Uh, as well. Nineteen eighty nine is is when I see it. That's that's the year I think of. It's the first year that we ran those colors with the Carolina Ford Dealers sponsorship. We ran the Carolina Ford Dealer sponsorship in eighty eight as well, but it was uh, my old Camaro colors. It was orange, white, and blue. So then we we moved transitioned to the uh, red, white, and blue. I remember a, a lot about that stuff. Uh, so cool when they unveiled the car and I saw the graphics on it because, you know, it was a timestamp for me. And I remember working with the, the Ford dealers because they were the first sponsor that I had that really did radio spots and, and TV commercials. So I got my teeth cut on really doing those uh, spots and stuff. And they were real uh, active in the advertising like that and all. So it was a real good experience for me. And then I kind of thought about the chassis underneath that thing you know <laughs> and and then then it struck me boy i sure hope they don't try that kind of stuff that <laughs> we had under it in 1989
0: because that sure wouldn't work what but kind the, of things were you trying back then well
1: well like at darlington uh for example we ran an 1800 pound spring in the right front and i'm sure that they probably don't run 1800 pounds of spring if you add them all four together now today <laughs> so uh, just for an example right uh, yeah, some old old timey stuff, but uh sure was fast. The car yeah. was fast there and really uh an honor to to be remembered. Clint's a old school, definitely an old school guy, really good for our sport and it's uh he was a fantastic teammate to get to know and work with in twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. This is gonna make it extra fun yeah. to have an extra car to pull for down there. Uh I definitely will not I can't imagine ever missing the throwback weekend at the Southern Five Hundred ever again. Uh, went last year and it was the most fun I've had, and I don't know when I yeah. can't remember, and I definitely want to go back every year. So, I just, two things that went on my calendar when I was down there was Christmas and. And uh, the 2017 Southern 500 and everything else has to work around that schedule.
0: <laughs> Did you have a, a throwback scheme last year too, with somebody running a, a car? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, I actually,
1: I a couple. Uh, Daryl Wallace, you know, ran the uh, Folgers throwback in the right. Xfinity race, and then uh, Trevor had a really cool Valvoline throwback, and it worked really well with the Avocare colors that they use now. So um, that was really special as well and I think they've got uh, I think Trevor's got another one for this year um, as well so it's just I can't tell you how it makes the old-timers feel when they're recognized and and honored by today's heroes our our today's heroes uh, looking back at the racers of yesteryears and uh, a lot of people asked me when I was you know racing how do I want to be remembered and honestly, the best answer I could ever give is, heck, I just want to be remembered. That's right. how all these guys are. It's what right. makes it so neat. I mean, I I still think about that 13 car with the Smokey Unic uh, paint job on it. That meant a lot to me, and I wasn't connected with any of that. Just to see those pay respect to that were the heroes help build a sport with our own bare hands
0: well that is important to have I guess one race weekend a year where you do have that connection and that link back not just to for race fans to celebrate but you're right for for the heroes of yesteryear to, to feel like they're a part of it and to be remembered because you went through a period there after retirement I know for a season or two where until the hall of fame election happened you didn't really feel as connected right here right
1: no I, I didn't I don't you know people always ask me well, you know why don't you come to the racetrack and and I know people and and it it is some it's a little bit ridiculous but it's not i feel like i don't have it what am i supposed to do sure where am i supposed to go Why right. I, I have nowhere to go and yeah. you know i mean why I, I don't feel like i have a place there that's not completely accurate but you still can't help with the way you feel and sure i think that some guys feel that way i don't i don't feel i am a always somebody with laser focus and sure I can I can go once a year to Darlington and socialize for the whole weekend and have a blast but if I'm going to go very often I have to have a mission I -hmm. have to have something to work on and to focus on and to do and 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 be connected in that way so I don't really I don't really feel that and I'm a huge fan I I watch every race dvr it if I can't watch it or if I'm traveling, driving a motorhome or something, I've got it on you know, the radio and or, or or I follow it on Twitter at least. So, a uh, huge race fan. But I did go to the racetrack 40 years, and I'm loving life in the next chapter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it's great that we get you back here for a weekend like this, like Darlington, which you said is one of your favorite places on Earth. Yeah. Why is this track one of your favorites?
1: Well, you know, the history and what it means to the sport— when you really think about the races there in the early years and uh, in the in you know in the in the 60s and 70s that was just amazing that you had a racetrack like that and it was so I mean it's hard to get around now but it was so hard to get around back then it was just one lane wide for real you say it's one lane not wide now but it was for real, and <laughs> and, and uh, that guardrail and everything. And you just think about it, and it it is the essence of what all of us really loved and had passion and excitement for about racing cars. Right? It was uh, it was right there. It's just it was it's amazing racetrack with amazing history and when you bring back all the, uh, the historical part do, with the throwback and everything, and we all get to see each other, and we haven't seen each other for a while, and everybody wants to talk and tell their stories, and the fans, you know, are excited about, uh, about having the old-timers there as well as, you know, today's heroes. Um, it just There's just so much energy with that that I felt there last year that, uh, you know, I just wouldn't want to miss it. Uh, you know, I had some really great races there. I was really fortunate to be able to take part in the racing when it was fairly grassroots racing. I mean, it wasn't '60s kind of stuff, but it was early '80s, and it was pretty simple back then. And and also be a part of the growth and the improvements of
0: the racetrack. Is it the toughest track you ever ran, Mark? I mean, is that a lot of people say that? Yeah, it's, it's the most technically difficult. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it really is. Uh, And it's because if you really analyze the racetrack, the racetrack is, I don't know how to explain this, but if you're going fast, you can't make abrupt turns. You make gradual turns. So at speed, if you look at the racetrack, the wall and the the apron go all over the place. They squiggle. It's it's squiggly. You know, it's not a flowing radius. So therefore, at high speed... There is only one lane, and and it is entering the corner. It's touching the apron, and before you get to the middle, it's hitting the wall. <laughs> and then you got to do that again. Then you right. got to do that again before you get completely off the corner. So yeah. I can't describe what trying to do what you might do for five, six, seven, eight laps of practice at high speed, trying to do that for five hundred miles. Just one split iota of a second you either your mind slips or you get back in or you get into a rhythm rather than being focused every time you go in the corner there you have to think about this time not well i've been doing this all day you can't run you know, because the, the the track deteriorates, the tires deteriorate, and you have to back up. Typically, you have to back up almost every lap. You've got to back it up just a little bit. If you don't, other places you get a little outside the groove, no big deal. Here, yeah. you know, you 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 slap the wall, and. Almost everybody does it. I yeah. mean, you just can't hardly run and run and run and not get a piece of it, especially if you run very hard.
0: When you watch those cars that you once drove, you know, the, the ones that symbolize the ones you you once drove, like Bubba Wallace last year, Trevor Bain, did, do all those memories come rushing back when you when, when you see them on the track? What's that like?
1: Yeah, it was uh, the, the one that really, you know, uh, uh, Trevor's car, the old Aveline car on the racetrack. You know, was uh, when I would see it, it would be like a kind of like a little startle. You know, yeah. because it, <laughs> you know it it looked so much like you could you just couldn't tell it from a distance that it wasn't one of those Valvoline cars from the from the '90s. So yeah, it you know, and and like I said before earlier, with it's so humbling to be remembered. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and uh, and and to have a kinship to your past. Sure. And that that's what makes this throwback weekend so so neat is so many people it was so it was cool what they did last year with the uniforms with the fourteen the Coca Cola you know thing and all I mean that was just so amazing you know and and, and that's like a lot of what uh, Ryan Blaney and the Wood Brothers you know are doing is you know they they bring a little of that flair from the uh, let's say seventies kind of thing and uh it just it, it's it's cool and i think today graphics are really really neat you know stuff is just like if you look at at this carolina ford dealers car it looks you know it looks almost mickey mouse <laughs> but that's what's cool about it because yeah. at the time it didn't you yeah. know yeah. but things and graphics have gotten so streamlined and so sure. flashy and all this stuff and and uh, that's kind of what makes makes this uh, throwback scheme so unique. You know, it shows that
0: flair from the 80s. It's something they said for just a clean look, right? Yeah. Just without any bells or whistles, just here it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that there were people you saw or, or talked to last year. Anybody in particular who you were really glad to see?
1: Really? Uh, Ned Jarrett. I I see some of these guys from other, other places, but – you know, Ned Jarrett, so good to be with Ned and, and talk talk with Ned. He's such a great person and was always so good to me and, and of course Leonard Wood Junior Johnson and man, I can't remember who all. It was just uh, every time I turned around there was somebody that I wanted wanted to talk to and, and, and it would be somebody I haven't talked to in forever. It's so much fun. Rex White. You know, it was I got a cool story. Uh, so Rex tells me uh, that he, I was his favorite driver. No way. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and I was so, I had no clue. Right. I didn't have a clue. And then, his, and, then and, and he said, yeah, yeah, I really like the way you were, your style and everything and whatever, and the way you handled yourself and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this blows me away, right? So then uh, we went to do the parade that night, and, uh, and I saw Daryl. Waltrip and I said hey Daryl Rick said I was his favorite briber and he says Mark 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 he told me the same thing (laughs) (laughs) that's DW for you
0: what's it like Mark to reflect on that knowing that all those guys you just mentioned are hall of famers now you are too you are in their league whether you think so or not you were regarded in in that way in that elite class uh has that sunk in yet here i guess what a year year plus after your induction is it starting to make sense or
1: it it it, it really doesn't uh um, and it hasn't <laughs> soaked in i guess i haven't been here since induction so it f- seems more foreign now than it did after the induction i guess because i was here for a couple of days and it was kind of soaking in i've been back in arkansas most of the time and i it just still feels a little bit weird i have always felt like that the uh, Hall, NASCAR Hall of Fame was so important to our sport going forward so that our grandchildren know about the history of the sport and the the, the, the men and women that built this sport with their bare hands and uh, are the heroes, my heroes of the sport. I'm a huge fan of it. I just feel like, I, I, yeah, I feel kind of weird about it and I, you know, I, I'm in here. Um, I wouldn't have voted that way Myself, but uh, I am really excited about this year's induction in the class that's going in. Uh, the class of uh, was it eighteen? Class of eighteen, and also real excited about seeing who goes in in the uh, in the class of nineteen as well. Because I really have strong. I don't. I don't. I'm not on the voting panel, and I really have some strong feelings about you know, the class of of nineteen. Some guys that need to go in and Hmm. it's time for them to go in. And there's you know, there's a great pool and it's really difficult because there's more there's more need to go in than, than there's room.
0: Okay, let's pause the podcast here to tell you about a product from our presenting sponsor, STP, and that is the Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer. For more than 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products such as this to help engines perform at their best. In this newest product, the STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline that helps keep fuel fresh during storage especially in engines that are stored over an extended period of time i have used products such as these for years in my personal cars they're very easy to use you just put the contents in the gas tank and they improve fuel efficiency and also keep your engines running smoothly the STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer is compatible with all 2- and 4-stroke engines, including lawnmowers, boats, and motorcycles. And one bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. So be sure to check out the STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer. And now, let's return to our conversation with Mark Martin. Well, you're talking to a voter, I'm Betting that Larry Phillips is somebody you would make a case for, <laughs> for yeah, 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 I
1: would, and 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 uh, you know, and that wouldn't be that doesn't leave out by any means Davy Allison or or, or Alan Kowicki or some other names on the list. Matter of fact, if I was on the voting panel, I would be terribly stressed out about it because I would then be immersed in and understand how many need to go in and how difficult it is to get to five. Yep. But if you look at winning, I don't know if it's 87% or 91%, whatever ridiculous number it is that Larry Phillips won, uh, it's some ridiculous figure almost every race he ran – nearly, that was in the, the NASCAR weekly series or whatever it was called at the time. I was gone from then by by, by then. I knew Larry well before that, and he was uh, he's just an amazing guy who just really won a lot of races, and he didn't have anything better than anybody else. He just was a hell of a racer. But, but if you look in black and white on what he accomplished in the, in the NASCAR series, it's just absolutely ridiculous to think that he could win every time he lined up just about for some, you know, I don't know, 70-something out of 80 races or some ridiculous number like that. I don't know exactly, but that's close to it. And and um, he just uh, – he's a guy that, that if anybody he goes in other than cup drivers
0: – Yeah, he'd be the first. Yeah,
1: if driver – if you're going to take drivers into yep. the NASCAR Hall of Fame yep. – that are not cup drivers. Then he he's got to be next. He's, he's got a
0: Greatest be, short track driver yeah. in history. It's
1: that's correct. Yeah. You're right. And yeah. so that that's you know the one thing. And when I graduated from high school, I grabbed my suitcase and I moved to Springfield, Missouri. And he gave me a job. I was 18, and we were racing against each other every Friday and Saturday night. And he gave me a job in his shop mm-hmm. to work in his shop. And I wanted to go up there and learn you know, how to fabricate and whatever. And and, uh, he wasn't much of a hands-on teacher. He uh, just kind of, first day, he just plopped out, you know, a jig and some metal and said, build upper control arms. And I'm like, I can't even weld, man. (laughs) You know? And, well, I put some bad upper control arms together that somebody probably bought and had to run and and couldn't figure out why they looked so bad. But Larry was a heck of a guy i wound up uh two different two different occasions uh, i wound up preparing his car uh to race against me that weekend because yeah. he didn't have any work in the shop and his car was sitting in there so he had me change the gear and whatnot on it and get it ready for friday night to race against him but um did he beat you he beat me most of the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> most of the time it was big when whenever rusty or i rusty and i both raced weekly that year yeah. With Larry, and whenever Rusty or I got a win, it was big. It was big. He was, uh, you know, I did get a few wins, and so did Rusty. Rusty beat him a few times, I beat him a few times, but it was, uh, yeah, my, I, I'm, my car was way better than his, you know. It wasn't because I out him, <laughs> yeah. But the trick he tricked me, uh, early on, he smoked in the car, you know, on every caution and he was leading i was so much faster than him it was pathetic it's weekly friday night show probably 30 lapper cautions out there's six eight laps to go i'm fixing to drive by him and win and we're riding around on caution and he's got his cigarette hanging out the door (laughs) you know he probably didn't even have a window net if he did it was in front of the window net cigarettes hanging out there and i'm just riding along there and all of a sudden I see him. He just drove off and left me. The green flag was out. He ran, you know, because I didn't even think it was going to have a green flag. I was sitting there looking at that,
2: right. at him holding the that guy cigarette out in the, the car. But <laughs> Surely about the time green.
1: that he stomped the gas, he threw that cigarette <laughs> down and he was gone. He got such a big lead, I just didn't even catch him before the end of the race. So he was a tricky fellow.
0: So he knew you were watching. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was smart. He had you smart. mesmerized. Yeah. Listen
1: now, uh, he was. He was a lot like. Dale Earnhardt, you yeah. know, he used every trick in the book. And that was, that was one trick in the book he had for me. And, and, uh, he, didn't, he wasn't able to use that one against me again.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned, Mark, you've been spending some time in Batesville a lot lately. Uh, are you still crossing the country in your motorhome as well? Are you still traveling a lot? Or?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I just went up. Uh, I flew to Nova Scotia right. for the I- WK 250 up there, and we're up there all week. Uh, going visiting the Children's Hospital there and, and uh, um, doing an event at the Caterpillar Distributor. And, and we did this stuff at the racetrack. And that was a that was an amazing experience uh, um, great people oh man, just just really had a good time great competitors, cool
0: cars did you race in Nova Scotia is that I saw you were in a car you no, did. okay. no I didn't either You're, okay I tried to race okay <laughs> <laughs> social media indicated that you were very fast uh, uh, while you were in the car
1: i was terrible when <laughs> practice started and struggled along there and managed to get up to uh finally got up and posted the third fastest time thought I kind of had it going on a practice day because we you know we ended it on that note and I mean that was some some old tires and so we put new tires on it for race race night and I was I had to tighten the car way too much up for the old tires and it was too tight for the new tires so Few runs and I got back to jumped up to like fourth fastest on the board and thought we were going to be pretty good and then uh, then I ran really good in the heat race and started sixth in the in the feature and hmm, I just didn't I didn't you know I just didn't do well I was restarted on the outside two or three times lost two or three spots every time with those restarts and I just wasn't really comfortable as I needed to be then then I started hitting stuff so. <laughs> Uh, from there, yeah, I kind of went downhill and wound up knocking the radiator out of it. But long story short, I'm better off spectating than driving. I will, however, consider doing that again next year because I know I can do better than I did. Yeah,
0: now it's a matter of pride.
1: And I did learn the racetrack, and I did learn the cars, uh, and I, do, I, I really was at a three-and-a-half-year deficit when I went up there. Uh, being out of a race car and and completely out of touch and now I'm more in touch with the track and the and and those cars and before I went back if I did go back and drive next year I would do some homework with uh maybe Ty Majeski and get some pointers on what's the latest and greatest on setup stuff and I think I could go up there and do a, a much better job uh or I could just go up there and sign autographs and let the young boys go after it. Uh, <laughs> they were getting it done. They were getting the job done. It
0: sounds like you have a point to prove, though. It sounds like <laughs> you'll be back in that car next year. I might. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned time Majeski Jeske and, and that you, you watch all the NASCAR races these days. I just wanted to get your, your some thoughts on some of these young guys, because it, it, it seems like you are impressed, especially by a guy like Kyle Larson. It seems like yes. you're talking about him a lot. He seems to really caught your eye as someone who's really a, a phenom.
1: Yeah, Kyle caught my eye a couple years ago. Uh, when he would put that thing up against the fence and and uh, make a run for the win when I knew his car wasn't really a winning car and something would eventually happen. And, and I was like, reached out to him and I'm like, Kyle, you know, you got it. You know, you've got what it takes, but you're trying to win with a car that can't win. You know, he was just trying so hard and he was it's okay to try hard, but when you try to do way more, you know, finally it bites you. I knew he, how much talent he had. I just, I could see it. And then to see him go ahead and do what he's doing now and to see his team and Chad Johnston and all the guys that see uh, Chip Ganassi Racing putting the race cars under him mm-hmm. is really cool to see. I'm excited about Ty Majeski. I think that, uh I think I see the same things in him as I saw in Matt Kenseth, and it really impresses me. But you know, there's so much incredible driving talent in the pipeline right now. It's insane how exciting it is for me.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting how it's kind of shifted. Where mm-hmm. for a few years here, it seemed like nobody was going to break through, and 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 now the changing of the guard suddenly has arrived. And obviously, Dale Jr. is is retiring this year, and Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, and you know, questions about what happens with Matt Kenseth. What, what's it like to to watch that? I mean, a lot of these guys. I, I think it's fair to say, Mark, I mean, you, you you were from a previous generation, but yet you, some of these guys were still your contemporaries, and you raced against many of them until just a few years ago.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it's exciting to see this uh, new stu- new guys coming in. I've always been excited to see uh, young talent developing, mm-hmm. and um, I, I identify with coming up the ladder. Yeah, uh, strong. I fought hard for a long time to to get get there, and and I identify with these guys that are trying to do it now because it's just as tough now as it ever was. You know, I look at Matt Kenseth, and I, I I see a guy that I would just you know fall all over myself to have drive my car, uh, and I I, I think uh, I, I just can't see him not winding up in a really good position. Just don't know what, you don't see it now, but sometimes things uh, materialize that you just don't expect, and and I think that, I think something really cool is going to work out for Matt. You know, he's still got tons of of wins in him and is a great person and a great driver
0: like you mentioned a lot of talent in the pipeline and i i've seen you tweeting actually to, to some of these guys it seems like a, a way of supporting them michael mcdowell matt de benedetto Bubba wallace I, I know after he tweeted following his most recent race with the 43 you tweeted him sometimes you have to be patient and wait till the right opportunity comes along until then keep kicking butt don't give up i, I thought that was interesting because it, i would think that like when you look at all these young guys trying to break through you see some of yourself in them and what you had to get through to, to get the to cup right
1: i do i do and i and, and um and i'm a, a big bubba wallace fan and i encourage bubba to just hey drive something and it doesn't have to be a good car if you don't have an opportunity to drive a good good car drive what you can and get in there and drive it faster than it's ever gone, and that's just as good, if not better. Sometimes you get in a good car and the chemistry isn't right, and you don't perform, and it hurts you. Sometimes, you, it, but if you get in a, in a in a car that that doesn't run good, and you run better than it ever has, man, that's that's money in the bank. That people notice, these racers are paying attention, and that's how we used to do it. That's what we used to have to do. We had to ra- we you know, we had to race around in back of the pack equipment until somebody retired, uh, Buddy Baker or Benny Parsons or Richard Petty. You know, we had to wait for somebody to retire before we could get in there, and because there was only six or eight good cars, and you know they they had superstars that were you know, up in their years, but they were superstars, and you just had to wait your yeah. turn. And everybody's different, but I encourage people to drive whatever they can as much
0: as possible can it doesn't
1: have to be the front running running stuff just drive the fool out of it yeah and make it faster and be engaged work pay attention you know be engaged with the team and the car and the setups and what everybody's doing Mm -hmm. be engaged and bring that enthusiasm and interest into the program and watch it lift up that will lift your career
0: maybe go weld some really bad control arms (laughs) i know where some (laughs) were back in the day with kickoff rapidly approaching now is the perfect time to start preparing for the fantasy football season If you want to dominate your draft, check out the RotoWorld
2: Draft Guide for everything you'll need to get a leg up on the competition. It includes more than 500 player profiles, Evan Silva sleepers and busts, mock draft analysis for
0: six different types of leagues, positional rankings from five of our experts, customizable projections, and much, much more. So head on over to rotoworld.com slash draft guide. That's rotoworld.com slash draft guide to take your first step towards fantasy football glory. Mark, the, the last race, uh, Indianapolis, during an interview on NBC, actually, with Jimmy Johnson, he, he was talking about blocking and how tough it was to pass and that everything's been kind of ramped up with stage racing and the restarts and the intensity and he said, Mark Martin would have a heart attack if he was racing in this era. The game has changed for sure. And I saw you tweeted back to Jimmy, I'm having a heart attack watching right now. Yeah. What did you make of what, what he said? I think we all know what, he, what Jimmy meant. But what, when you look at the racing now, what, what's your take on it? I know
1: Jimmy, and I know what he was talking yeah. about, and he's right. It was, would not have been in my wheelhouse. What, what they're <laughs> yeah. doing today yeah. you know, was not my strong suit. It's not what I grew up. Doing and the codes I live by, you have to race like that today. Uh, you didn't have to back in the day. Even if someone else raced like that, you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. But now everybody races like that, and so if you don't, you're it's over. People say they want hard racing. Man, that's they're getting it. I mean, if you didn't if you didn't think you had hard racing Sunday, man, I don't know what what you're watching now. You know, sometimes there's a little lull, but I like, you know, just like the stage racing, I love it. I mean, eight times out of ten, I'm seeing stuff that I wouldn't have never wouldn't have ever saw if it wasn't for stage racing, like you know uh, different leaders and different uh, uh, strategies for crews and crew chiefs and everything. I love it. I think it's good. You know, we've got great racing today, in my opinion. You have to be realistic and understand that these cars are never going to race like street stalkers. They're way far advanced. You can't see the same kind of race with these cars all the time that you might see with a bunch of street stalkers out there. It's just not the same thing. This is, man, this is high tech racing going really, really fast. And, you know, there's a lot of elements. There's air, you know, there's a lot of air that's disturbed by that speed, and the cars are so close in speed to one another, the parity. And you're never going to get away from that parity. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest with you. If you had real true parity, no one would ever pass anyone.
0: Because they were be on the same speed. So
1: yeah. <laughs> was the goal parity? Yeah, the goal for a while was parity. From NASCAR, they were trying to make it fair and equal so everybody could compete. But now, there's so many teams, there's so much equal equality that really... You know, it's hard to see a lot of passing. That being said, what did we see at New Hampshire? Kyle Holy. Larson
0: make one of the drives of wow, maybe the last quarter century. Right? No
1: lie, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, I'm still keep saying we're seeing great racing. It, it, you know, some weeks it's over the top, fantastic, and some weeks it's not. Gosh, it was that way in the '70s too.
0: Could you have adapted today's, to today's style and that intensity and the blocking and the and the stage racing stuff? Yeah. Only
1: if I was young. I mean, I couldn't at 50, 50 or 55. At 55, I, I, I couldn't have. I, I know how I was, and I think I could have adapted in my prime to whatever the occasion called for. But that requires senses and quickness and just a lot of stuff that I think— diminished in time for me, and I just don't feel that, I don't feel like I would thrive in that if I was, you know, trying to do that at 50 or 55. Like, if I was 35, I feel like I could have thrived in it. I could have adapted to whatever. I always did, no matter what the cars were like, what the setups were like, what the tires were like, or whatever. I adapted, but I, you know, there comes a point where uh, you're probably just not cut out for that. I know that my senses and everything slowed down and people look at me funny when I say that, but I know, Yeah. I mean, I know it's just everything, uh, everything firing your, your peripheral vision, your sense of where it's everything slows down and with age or it did with me. And I, it came a point where I just didn't feel, I, I, I felt like I could go fast, but just like I could in in Canada. I could go fast, but I wasn't really comfortable in in the double file, crazy restart traffic situation. There's a lot of factors to that. Some of the factors is, you know, when I did drive wild, I wrecked back in the day, you know, and you don't want to wreck. Now you have to drive like you don't care if you do wreck or not. I mean, seriously. It's just, it's just really different
0: was that so was that a point during your last season cuz you were still highly competitive 2012 and i think some of 2013 was it the, was there just a moment in 2013 when you realized my skills just are starting to diminish i can feel it kind of moving away from me
1: you know i started noticing it as far back as 09 really but it wasn't big but i started noticing it And we won all those races in 09 because, you know, my car was just faster than everybody's for some reason. Alan Gustafson and whatever, I don't know. We just hit on some kind of crazy magic. And I thought my car was faster than everybody's, whether it was or not. And it happened to work out. You know, the the enthusiasm means a lot. And Mm -hmm. we were just, we were on the magic dust that year. But I became more and more dissatisfied with the quality of product I was putting out. I felt really good about one lap things or or a lot of things, but I started being dissatisfied with restarting and some of the crazy stuff that was going on on the racetrack, and uh, you know I just felt like I was slowing down. Yeah, I just felt like I, yeah, I, I wasn't processing as fast as I did when I was younger, huh. and so therefore you're not as sure. So therefore you're not you don't make as many moves you don't make the moves that you might because you you're not sure and
0: because you didn't grow up racing that way with the double file restarts and the way they have to do things now yeah
1: i just got you know i could still lay down lay down a lap but i just didn't feel like i was racing as good as as i as i could at one time and that was big you know that was big you know when you see the writing on the wall and you see a decline you know I, i have no interest in driving cars around in circles fast I Only have interest in being the best, and you've got to be in the right zip code to be the best. And when you start moving outside that zip code uh, because you're on the other side of your career, it's it wasn't any fun. You know, it's not going to be. That's why I don't miss driving a race car. That's why I don't want to you know, get in the car and take it out. No, I don't <laughs> want to. I don't drive race cars anymore. You yeah. know, I was good at it when I was when I did it. You yeah. know, I don't. I'm not good at it now. I, I don't. That's not what I do. That's me. Yep. Some people love driving cars and driving cars fast and racing, and uh, that's, all, that's all fine. I'm just, I'm weird. I only was <laughs> driven by the desire to win or to be the best or to set fast time or break the track record or whatever. You know, that was what drove me, and that's why I had passion for it. I got far enough on the other side of, of that that it lost its, uh, you know, attraction. I, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't attracted to it.
0: If you can't be good, if you can't win, what's the point?
1: Yeah, not especially when I was at one time yeah. and could. You know, I extended my career longer than most, and I'm really proud of what I accomplished in, in 2009, and I'm really proud of what I, I did in 2012. I uh, know we didn't win a race, but we, we we got really close, and we got a lot of attention and sat on six poles. Rodney Childers was amazing, and uh, I had the time of my life working for – Michael and MWR working with those guys absolute time of my life but my time was up by 13 you know the magic dust was wearing off and I could see it was time for me you know to move on and I got in Tony's car and God I I ran terrible in Tony's car, so it really made it easy.
0: I'm glad that we we're going to be able to celebrate when the magic dust existed uh, <laughs> in Darlington, coming up here with the Southern 500. It was a pleasure speaking to you as always, Mark. Thanks for taking so much time, and thanks for being here.
1: Thanks. It's uh, it's really good to be with you, and it's great to see everybody today. And I just want to give a shout out to all the great race fans out there. I'm just like you guys are. I'm glued to the TV or the radio or the Twitter
0: or something every time they're on the racetrack. Mark Martin always is engaged, especially since getting elected to the NASCAR Hall of Fame last year. That really was a reawakening for Mark and his connections to NASCAR. He talked about that in his first visit to the NASCAR and NBC podcast presented by SDP last year, and it was great to have him as a return guest this year. I don't think Mark has much interest in doing television or maybe being a media personality, but I think he could be. He's articulate and intelligent and has a wealth of knowledge from a lifetime in racing, and he conveys it very well. Really enjoyed his observations of what it was like returning to a race car this year, although it didn't go so well for him, he felt. And I really enjoyed hearing about how he knew his skills had diminished to where he didn't feel comfortable racing in cup anymore. You don't often hear that kind of candor from a veteran. And his thoughts on Kyle Larson and today's era of stage racing, also intriguing. Great story too about NASCAR Hall of Fame candidate Larry Phillips, one that I'll certainly consider when I make my vote next year. Really appreciate Mark Martin coming on and sharing all of that. We've got more to share with you in the future. Cole Pern, crew chief for Martin Truex Jr., is the guest on next week's NASCAR and NBC podcast presented by STP. We taped that at Bristol Motor Speedway, and it went very well. I'm looking forward to going back to listen as I edit it. I've written this on NBCSports.com, but I think Cole is the soul of Furniture Row Racing. He has a refreshingly different personality that comes across appealingly well in interviews and on Twitter. I think you'll hear a lot of that. And you will also hear much about the processes of being a team based in Denver, Colorado and why Cole thinks that has gone so well and actually been an advantage at times over teams that are based in Charlotte. A reminder that NASCAR America is on 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time weekdays on NBCSN. NASCAR is at Darlington Raceway this weekend. That starts Friday with Xfinity practices at noon and 2.30 p.m. on NBCSN and Monster Energy Cup practices at 1 and 3.30, also on NBCSN. All these are Eastern time. Saturday starts with Xfinity qualifying at noon on NBCSN, Cup qualifying Saturday at 1.30 p.m. on NBCSN, and Countdown to Green for Saturday's Xfinity race at 3 p.m., Green Flag at 3.45 p.m. Eastern, also on NBCSN. On Sunday, we'll kick things off with NASCAR America at 4 p.m. on NBCSN, followed by Countdown to Green at 5.30, and the green flag for the Southern 500 at 6.15 p.m. Eastern Time. All of those, again, on NBCSN. Check it out this weekend from Darlington. The NASCAR NBC podcast presented by SDP is on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you can leave a rating or review or just tell people that you like what you hear, that really helps us out, especially those reviews on Apple Podcasts, which I haven't had very many of them lately. If I could get another one, I'm begging, I'm pleading, that would be terrific. And if you have any feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan, or just leave it in the review. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by SDP.
2: I'm Steve Latart, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner Plus Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline.